Welcome back. Today I want to talk to you about something that I've kind of shied away from a lot of times. And so we're going to take more of the uh, diagnostic their criteria going over the DSM-5 route versus diving into some of the weeds and kind of open it up a little bit. But today we're going to talk about borderline and narcissistic personality disorder. And not just from my perspective, even though I do have some of that perspective from being with a person who had borderline and had those narcissistic traits, I want to bring it first to the table of just saying like, hey, this is what it is and be able to actually walk you through some of the actual criteria that makes up narcissism and that makes up borderline. You might be surprised at some of the things that you might have thought were a characteristic or criteria that actually aren't. If you guys are new here, my name is Ben Taylor. I'm a self-aware narcissist on this platform to provide awareness, growth, healing, and change. And we do it on all different platforms. I'm trying to make sure that people... understand and are able to understand and see what narcissism actually is and what it looks like from a day-to-day basis. There's a lot of times people that we talk to that have no clue of what narcissism actually is. They think it's just someone snapping selfies or just being a butt. You know, but at the end of the day, we want to be able to help people see what it is and be able to process it and help move into healing, growth, and change. We do that on all the different platforms. So if you don't follow already, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, all under Raw Motivations, like, share, review, any of that there for us. If you want to listen to the wife's perspective, check out our new podcast, Trauma, Drama, and Life. Would love to have you interact with that and be able to see some of the thoughts that she's had with being with a narcissist and dealing with the narcissist. If you're interested in community and you want to take your healing to the next level of jumping into a community that's going to help you grow, heal, and change, and is going to engage with weekly lives, with monthly coaching, with courses, with tracking to contact, go to narcapp.com, N-A-R-C-A-P-P, narcapp.com, to be able to see about the NARC app that we've developed, to be able to jump in there, and to be able to get in with community that's going to help you grow, heal, and change. Anyways, wanted to dive in today, and I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about narcissism and borderline personality disorder. So I brought a handy-dandy help with me today, and that is the DSM-5, because I'm not going to jump into the deep end and get eaten up by it without letting you guys know at least what is going on with it, okay? So as we're diving in, I want to be able to read through some of these for you that are listening to the podcast or can't look at the video right now, but I want to read through some of these, give a little bit of snippet, and then we're going to dive into narcissistic personality disorder as well. So when we're talking about borderline personality, so the, the first little tagline is a pervasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, self-image, and effects that and marked impulsivity beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. Number one, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Now, a lot of times I talk about borderline, the the core, the underlying thing underneath borderline is abandonment. Underlying underneath narcissism, a lot of times, is shame. But it shows right here, frantic efforts. I think the thing that's also a key to mention is it's real or imagined. It doesn't even have to be someone actually abandoning, but it's how they mentally and emotionally process it. Number two, a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation. This is where sometimes you get a little bit of the crossover that people are like, wait a second, doesn't a narcissist love bomb and then also devalue? Yes, that's where you see sometimes the extremes of where it kind of matches up a little bit or people get confused by it. Number three, 
identity disturbance, markedly and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. The hard part that gets confusing for a lot of people is borderline struggle with this period, but also people that have been victims of narcissistic abuse. Coming out of a narcissistic abuse in a relationship, a lot of times people have been beaten down so much. Their self-confidence, their self-worth, their value, all these things have been beaten down so much they're like, I don't even know who I am. And sometimes people are like, oh, well, you're borderline. Sometimes it's just because they've been in an abusive relationship. Number four, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. Examples here, spending, sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, binge eating, a lot of different things that just have to go back to the aspect of being self-damaging, okay? Number five, reoccurrent suicidal behavior, gestures, or threats, or self-mutilating behavior. Now, sometimes we see this in relationships where it's threatened a lot. Sometimes you see it on the narcissistic side. Sometimes you see it in the borderline side. But the idea of like leveraging that as a threat to be able to control something in the relationship. Number six, effective instability due to a marked reactivity of mood. The example it gets here is intense episodic dysphoria, irritability, or anxiety usually lasting a few hours and only rarely more than a few days. Number seven, chronic feelings of emptiness. That one relates to a lot of different people in and out of narcissistic relationships, borderline, chronic feeling of emptiness. With narcissism, a lot of times you hear people talk about the void or like stuff that's missing that they're always looking for. Number eight, inappropriate, intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. An example of that a lot of times is frequent displays of temper, constant anger, or recurrent physical fights. It doesn't have to be fights. It can just be the anger. It just could be the temper. It could be a lot of different things. But that inappropriate, intense anger, or a lot of times just difficulty controlling it. Number nine, transient, stress-related, paranoid ideation or severe disassociative symptoms. A lot of times we'll see either the paranoid aspect or the disassociative being like really high of like, wait a second, I'm completely disconnected or I'm completely have a different idea of what's actually going on in the situation. Okay. So that's going over really quick. Borderline personality disorder. Okay. Borderline personality disorder. Those nine, you're supposed to have at least five as, as far as in terms of diagnostic criteria. Now, obviously, as we're going through these, we're not diagnosing, we're not saying, hey, this is who someone is, but I do bring this up to be able to say, hey, I want you first to know to be aware and to understand what the criteria actually is whenever we're talking about narcissism and whenever we're talking about borderline, because I think it's healthy to be able to know this is what makes it up versus us just sometimes guessing or people just throwing out like, oh, it's supposed to be this way. You know, needless to say, sometimes people will be like, you know, my, the, the person that was in my life, they never cheated on me. So that means they can't be a narcissist, right? Well, surprise, cheating isn't a criteria for a narcissist, but a lot of times it is the outworking of the criteria that's there. So let's dive into narcissistic personality disorder. So when we look at narcissistic personality disorder, the tagline on it there shows a pervasive pattern of grandiosity and fantasy or behavior, a need for admiration and a lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. Number one, has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Example, exaggerates achievements and talents, expects to be recognized as superior without commensurate achievements. 
So with this, you bring in a big aspect of the ego. It's about me and it all has to all be about me. And the aspect of a lot of times saying I'm better, you know, stretching the truth, you know, I'm better or I've done different things that you're supposed to think that I'm superior as you, even if I'm not. Okay. Number two is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. For me, the biggest one that resonates with me is the ideal love part, is the idea that I was always looking for this ideal love going from person to person to person. Number three, believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions. Sometimes people disconnect a little bit with this and of like, I don't really get that. I don't really see that. Sometimes for me, this is like the idea of being in like the workplace environment, knowing that I do it better and no one else is going to understand what I'm doing because they don't think on that level or because they don't process something a certain way or they're not analytically mindset or like whatever it might be. It's, it's almost that a sense of a little bit of entitlement, but it's almost that sense of like, I know better and I'm going to look down on other people that don't or that aren't good enough. Think of it that way. Okay. Number four requires excessive admiration. And that goes without saying. Okay. Number five has a sense of entitlement. So example is unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. So the idea of entitlement of like, I expect that I'm allowed to have it now as fast as I want it, whenever I want it, like I'm entitled uh, for this, like this is happening for me. But then also sometimes it's like the idea of the automatic compliance. Like I see that a lot of times just with parenting of like, I want you to obey or I want you to listen now. And if you don't listen, then I get upset. Like that part I can feel inside of like, this is really triggering if you don't obey me instantly, which obviously doesn't work when you have a little kid. But that's the idea of that sense of entitlement. Okay. Number six is interpersonally exploitative. So takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. This is where we get into a lot of the manipulation piece, a lot of the different pieces in narcissism that fall under this, that it's like, hey, let me do whatever it takes to be able to get what I want, even if it means I'm going to hurt or destroy other people. Number seven, lacks empathy, is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. What I think is always interesting here is it doesn't say there's no empathy ever or they're unable to have empathy because that's normally what people think. Narcissists are incapable of empathy. And a lot of times that is true. However, there's a lot of times that narcissists have empathy, but if you read the rest of that sentence, is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. And so I'd rather not recognize that you have issues, not recognize that you're upset, not recognize that something I did hurt you because that reflects bad on me. Number eight is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. So like being envious of something you have or